Hi, this is Michael Moore. I am going to play for you right now a podcast that I recorded in the middle of the night uh, last night, um, just a couple of hours after we all got word of what our president did in ordering the assassination of an Iranian leader. Um, when I played it back at the end, um, the sound quality was not good. Um, that's because I didn't go into my podcast room. I just recorded it uh, from the heart on my iPhone. So um, I wasn't going to post it. And then I thought, no, this is, this is exactly how I was feeling in the moment after I learned the news and um, that you'll forgive the sound quality. Um, and my apologies for that. No apologies, though, for how I am feeling, how I'm sure you're feeling right now. Um, so here it is. Uh, thank you uh, in advance for listening. It's the middle of the night, the 3rd of January, 2020. We're barely two days into the new year, and Donald Trump is trying to start a war. In fact, that's what they're calling it in the press, in the middle of the night here on TV, online, media outlets around the world are calling it an act of war, an act of war done in our name. And what was this act? The United States of America assassinating the number two person in the country of Iran. I know. Well, we knew this was coming, didn't we? I mean, Trump has been saying since day one that he was going to go after Iran. He got rid of the Iran nuclear deal that Obama had had done with the Iranians and all the UN inspectors and everybody had said that the Iran was complying and they weren't going to be building a nuclear bomb. That seemed like a good idea. And Trump didn't want any part of that. And he just, he just ended, ended the deal. Why? Because Obama did the deal. That's, you know, been the number one policy directive of the Trump administration is to anything that has Obama's name on it is no good and has to be done away with. I've been going online here. I've, I've been reading the news from around the world, from the Muslim world. Qasem Soleimani was his name. You're going to be hearing all day today how he's a terrorist. He's the worst. He's the number one. CNBC, actually, I just saw this. Number one bad guy in the world. He's killed Americans. He's, do you remember his name? I just said it like a minute ago. No. Do you know who he is? No. I I, I didn't know who he was. I mean, seriously. They, by the end of today, you will know that he is the latest Osama bin Laden or Baghdadi or whatever. Qasem Soleimani. Yeah, never heard of him, right? This is how it's done. The big lie. It's been told to us so many times. You know, we've been in the assassination business for quite some time. I don't know if that was taught to you in school, but we assassinate leaders. We started that actually when we first came to this country. Us, the, the, I'm talking, referring to the white people. We assassinated Indian leaders, native leaders, chiefs, etc. The, the first assassination I remember conducted by 
us, you and me, we're the United States, we're citizens, those of us who are citizens here, we pay our taxes, so that means we fund this, it was in 1963. So I was nine years old. It's three weeks before the assassination of John F. Kennedy, early November 1963, and the CIA decides to help stage a coup in South Vietnam and have the president of South Vietnam assassinated. His name was President Diem um, because he wasn't playing ball. We needed our guy in there. We needed our own dictator to run South Vietnam. And within a year or so, we faked an excuse. We lied about the North Vietnamese attacking one of our ships. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we had Daniel Ellsberg on this podcast. Actually, this wasn't supposed to be the podcast for today. We um, had just finished producing today's podcast when the news broke of Trump assassinating the number two top official in Iran, ordering the assassination and making sure it was completed. And we found out about this and we thought, well, we, we can't we can't air the podcast we just finished here. We, we, we try to post them around, you know, five or six in the morning so that you can listen to this on the way to work um, if need be. So we decided to pull it and then started reading and watching and seeing, trying to figure out what was going on. Were we actually in another war? Is that possible? And um, and then we decided, you know what we need to do? We just need to go right on here. Let's, let's turn this on. And um, we're going to do a podcast in the middle of the night. We had talked about this on our first podcast a little over two weeks ago, that occasionally when it was warranted, we would have what we were inaugurating or initiating the emergency podcast system. And we would, we would just break in or we would just get on the microphone and get this posted no matter what time of day or night it was. If there was some event that took place in this country, uh, in the world that needed our attention, your attention, my attention right away, uh, rumble rumbles, emergency podcast system. And, um, so this is the first one. This is the first time that we're doing this off our usual schedule. So I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes. And then maybe later today we'll come back when we have more information. But I really want to, I really want to say some things here before the country falls into the grip of the propaganda machine that is going to be telling one falsehood after another today in order to justify this crime. And I don't think it, you don't have to be a brainiac to figure out what Trump is doing here. I mean, Clinton did it. Bill Clinton, just days before his impeachment, ordered an airstrike. And as a result, they had to delay the impeachment vote. And where did he order the airstrike? On Iraq. He bombed Iraq to try to distract from his impeachment, to try and stop the vote, which they did. They stopped it, I think, for at least a couple of days. It didn't matter. They impeached him anyway. And here's Trump, just days away from his trial in the Senate. Whenever the Senate finally agrees to 
behave like a like not a, kind, a kangaroo court, but a fair a fair and just body to hear the evidence and to hear the witnesses. When that happens, Speaker Pelosi will hand over the articles of impeachment. But Trump, I mean, there's no greater way to get an American's attention off anything than by doing something that could end up having to send our sons and daughters once again off to a needless, stupid war or or to do something, as he did last night, that could end up costing the lives of innocent people, Americans. Who are the dead Americans, the soon-to-be-dead Americans, because of this ridiculous, stupid act? You know, it's not just that we've, again, like I said, this isn't the first time we've done this. We, we, we have staged coups. We've in, we, have inter- we have involved ourselves interfering in other countries' elections for a good 70-plus years. Us. I'm not talking about the Russians now. Us. We, we're like the inventors of election interfering. We're the OG of this. There, there's a, you can go online. There's like a list of three or four dozen countries where we, we, our CIA, our tax dollars, where we've put up fake candidates, where we've donated money uh, to the campaigns of candidates that we wanted to win. And when they didn't win, we did things to try to remove them from office or stage coups or, or in some cases, assassinate them. Salvador Allende, democratically elected president of Chile back in, I think, 1973. We helped stage a coup, and then he was either assassinated or he took his life as they were coming to kill him. There's some dispute on that, I think, but nonetheless, democratically elected president. We didn't like him. Why didn't we like him? Because he wanted to nationalize some of the businesses. You try to do that. Here come the Americans, folks. You know who else tried to do that? The democratically elected prime minister of Iran in 1953. He came into office and he thought, you know, the oil that's in our country under the ground, that's a natural resource that belongs to all the people, not to American and British oil companies. So he said, no, this is now belongs to us, and you can come in and, and you know extract it, and we can lease it to you. Kind of what the Nor- Norwegians do today. That's how they do it. They own the oil, not the oil companies. And for that, the prime minister of Iran was removed. A coup was staged. He was forced out. He was put under house arrest for most of the rest of his life. And we installed someone called the Shah of Iran, the king, the king of kings, they called him, the Shah of Iran, a dictator that the United States and the British helped install. And he was there for almost 25 years. And he was a brutal dictator. Thousands of people died, were tortured, suffered under him. And eventually, by around... 1979, the people of Iran rose up. They had a revolution, kind of like what we did, you know, when people are kind of tired of the king, king of kings, the dictator, they rise up, they rise. That's that's the lesson of history. They rise up. And the Iranians rose up and overthrew the Shah. 
and they formed their own government and the religious leaders got control as they are wont to do in many countries, many religions. And the Ayatollah ran things and that was that. Oh, they took hostages too. They took people in our, worked in our embassy and, um, and held them for nearly, uh, I think nearly a year. And then they were released um, a couple minutes after Ronald Reagan was inaugurated as president. I'm sure there's a story there somewhere. But that's our history with Iran. We, we're <clears throat> so many years of, of oppression at the hands of the United States. This is what happens. A year later, our ally, ally Saddam, Hus Saddam Hussein, did I say ally? Yeah, ally, our friend. He was our friend back then. Saddam Hussein decided to invade Iran. Iraq invading Iran. And we supplied him with arms. We helped him when he wanted to use chemical weapons. We gave him the satellite positions of where the Iranians were, where the troops were. There were, the estimates are all over the map on how many people died in the Iraq-Iran war between 1980 and 1988. But somewhere between a half a million and a million people died, were killed in a war that we helped to fuel. In fact, we were so sick about this that we not only were basically on Saddam's side, supporting the Iraqis and giving them these weapons, including chemical weapons, the chemical weapons that, that remember when we invaded Iraq, saying he had weapons of mass destruction back in 2003? Yeah. Yeah, those weapons he supposedly had, well, we knew that because we had given him chemical weapons and weapons of mass destruction to attack Iran. And we helped Saddam kill hundreds of thousands, if not upwards to a million of Iranians. Well, how do you think the Iranians feel about us? Probably not too good, huh? Yeah. And we invade the country next to them. And then we wonder wh why, why this general, this uh, Soleimani... Why, why did he and the Iranian Revolutionary Guard think, oh, this is not a good idea to have the Americans right next door? So they start to help militias and they start to help groups in Iraq fight the U.S. troops that are invading, kill U.S. troops that are invading. Because, you know, that's what happens when you invade somebody else's country, when that country hasn't invaded you, when that country hasn't bombed you or killed you, you just go in and invade them because you want their oil for whatever the reason. So yeah, Iran got involved. Iran got involved and, and helped, helped uh, uh, Shia Muslims in Iraq stop the American troops. It's exactly what you'd do. U.S. troops invading your town, coming down your street, shooting everything in sight, killing children, what would you do? What would you do? You know what you do. That's what they did to us. That's what they did to our, our young boys and girls that, who had signed up to defend this country in case we were ever attacked. Our volunteer army, they sign up, the Navy, Marines, Air Force, they sign up, they volunteer to protect us just in case. And a lot of them signed up after 9-11, right after 9-11, never thinking for a second that they would be sent to a country 
that had nothing to do with 9-11, the country of Iraq. And we lost, we lost over, I think over 4,000 now, right now, in a war that never really seems to end, does it? It's so sad. But to, but to say that the Soleimani guy is responsible for their deaths? Well, no. George W. Bush and Dick Cheney and Don Rumsfeld are responsible for their deaths. And if there's a God in heaven or a judge in The Hague, someday they will receive their justice. There is an international court of criminal justice. We don't participate in it because, well, we would have too many of our people in the docket there because of the crimes that are, are committed in our name. We lost all those lives. We killed in that war. When I say we, remember, if you pay your taxes, it's we. We fund it, even though we might oppose it, even though we might demonstrate against it. If it's done in our name and we haven't stopped it and we're paying for it, it's you and I. We, between the Clinton um, embargo and what and the bombing he did of Iraq in the 90s and the George W. Bush war in the, uh, in the 2000s, we were responsible for, again, the, number, the estimates are all over the map, 500,000 close to a million, we don't know, of dead Iraqis because of the bombings, the killings, the sanctions. Clinton used to do creative things like, you know, bomb their water supply, their drinking water, or bomb their um, their facilities that produce electricity so that they would go with days or weeks without electricity. Just the things that really caused a lot of harm uh, and and directly or indirectly caused the deaths of old people and young people, hospitals that couldn't operate properly. We did that. And so here we are again last night in the assassination business, killing a top Iranian official. And what, thinking nothing's going to happen now? Or we'll just stay distracted. We won't be thinking about convicting Trump. All of our attention will go to this. You know, we're... we're one month from today is the first caucus in Iowa for our 2020 election. One month from today. Let's get the attention off that, too. Off the person that we're going to choose who's going to replace this bastard. That's what's going on. We know it. You know it. You know, we've been, we, we've been fooled so many times in our history, in our recent history. I think by now, especially, I think especially if you're young, if you're a teenager, listen to this, you're in college, you're in your 20s. It's bad enough, really, the world that we are handing you, but that we would take you into another war after many of you may have seen an older brother or sister go off to Iraq or Afghanistan. Maybe you lost somebody in your family, in your neighborhood to those wars, those wars that still continue. You know, it's just, um, it's, I think, you know, before I sign off here, I just, I just want you to not fall for any of the lies you're going to be told today. Don't trust anything you're hearing. Question everything. Look it up. Look up the history of this. Look what we've done to the Iranian people just since the 1950s. The misery and the pain and the suffering that we've caused them. 
I don't want to use the word we anymore. I'm tired of this. And I don't want anybody assassinated in my name. This is going to come back to haunt us in a, in a very, very bad way. And Trump doesn't give a shit, my friends. This is all about him not planning to leave the Oval Office a year from this month. He, and this isn't his only trick that he's got up his sleeve. We already know that. We already know the situation with our whole election system, with the um, his collusion with the Russians. He just had another. He had a, a meeting, I think, on the phone just this just this past Sunday with Putin. In the days just before this assassination, what else do they have cooked up? I know I don't want to say these things because I don't want you to sink into some even worse despair than you're already in about this or to say what's the use why bother voting why get involved this year it doesn't matter i don't have any say in this i'm not going to be able to stop this that's not true don't fall for that there are more of us than there are of them yes trump is going to do well in the election i don't think he's lost hardly any of his base of support but he lost no matter how big and, and how angry his base is, there's not enough of them, and they know it. Here's, here's, here's a piece of good news. In the, in the uh, three-plus years since he was elected, over 12 million 17-year-olds turned 18, became eligible to vote. 12 million new young people. I mean, that if you just think about that, if just half of them vote, we're in good shape. The young people know the bullshit here. The young people who woke up this morning, who are waking up this morning right now, to hear that that we may be going to war again, because first of all, it's not we, not people our age. They're going to go to war, and they are not going to vote for anybody who is sending them off on a fool's errand to die for nothing. So watch what's going on today. Pay attention to what is being done. These damn Democrats, I'm sorry to, to swear like that because damn, we need them. We need them to do the job they're supposed to do. But damn it, they're already, they're already on the news early this morning. Always have to begin everything they're going to say by saying what an awful person this was that was assassinated. <laughs> Hey, hey, newsflash. There's a lot of awful people on this planet. There's some awful, awful people. And we're not going to assassinate them all, are we? Is that the plan? Let's just round up all the bad people and assassinate them. No. No. There's lots of ways to contain the people that seek to do harm. This isn't going to end the way that Trump wants it to end. But that's up to us. That's up to, up to us to, to fight this from day one. And I bring up the Democrats only because when the, um, <clears throat> um, I think it's called the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization, Authorization Act for 2020, when this was debated and they, and they had these provisions in there for money to get ready to do whatever we're going to do to Iran and to authorize, to give the authorization to Trump that should he need to do what he needed to do regarding Iran. And 
All but nine Democrats in the U.S. Senate voted for this. I think there's, what are there, 47 Democrats in the independent that, Bernie, that caucuses with the Democrats? 47. Of the 47, only nine refused to give Trump this authorization for what he did last night. I'm going to tell you who they are. Um, there were there were four that voted no, and there were five who were out on the campaign trail and missed the vote. So good on them. Uh, not present uh, because they were running for president were Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, um, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, and and um, Kamala Harris. But there were four who stood there in the Senate that day and voted no. Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, uh, Senators uh, Senators uh, Wyden and uh, and um, uh, Merkley of Oregon, and Ed Markey of Massachusetts. That's it. All the other Dems voted for Trump's Defense Authorization Act, bloated military budget, a crazy homeland security operation. ICE, all this stuff, and the authorization to allow the president to do things like what he did last night. And then he didn't even even have the decency to inform members of Congress about what he was what he was about to do last night. And he sat there at Mar-a-Lago, whining and dining, played a whole day of golf beforehand. All while this is being set up to kill a bunch of people. Not rogue terrorists, but people who are officials of another country. Lots of countries we don't like, I'm, I'm, depending on who you are or where you're from or what you believe in or whatever. I mean, you may like this country and not like that country. But I think we're hopefully we've reached the point of civilization where you just don't assassinate people. In these countries, that you're not at war with the country, <laughs> my friends, um, talk to your friends today at work. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your family members. Um, pay attention to what's going on. Don't fall for it. Um, call up the call up the U.S. Senate today. Uh, some of them are already back. They don't officially start work till Monday. But but call them up. Even the ones that aren't in, their staff is there. You can tell the staff, no war. No war. No assassinating leaders of other countries. Let them hear that loud and clear. You want to support the troops? Make sure they're not sent over there to die. Call Congress today. Literally, they pick up the phone. You pick up the phone and you say, I want to, I'm, I'm from this state or that state. I want to talk to one of my two senators. You don't even have to know their names. You should know their names, but if, if you don't, you don't. Just call, call, I'll give you, I'm going to give you the number right now. If you don't have a, something to write this down with or you can't remember it, you can look it up online. Call the Senate switchboard, the United States Senate, 202 224 3121. I'll give it to you again. 202-224-3121. Call and ask to speak to the office of the senator, one of the two senators from your state and tell them, no war with Iran. Stop the madness. You have the power to do this. Millions of us. 
can do this today. Thank you for letting me take this this unplanned time uh, with you to talk about this, and um, and I'll try to check back in. We'll, we'll do another uh, emergency podcast uh, here uh, later today when we have uh, new information and um, and uh, more thought and planning into how we can all respond and act. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you um, for listening to this. This is Rumble with Michael Moore, and um, I wish you in this world the best today. Thank you.